I have children for you, and I've known them before the foundation of the world. You don't know who you're gonna dance with, but you know you're gonna dance. God just doesn't want to be with me in all the good moments. He wants to be there when I'm in my car, after work, crying. God has woven a tapestry in us and has taught us so much in these past years. This is West Side Stories. Today on West Side Stories, Westside member Liz Griffith joins Westside's senior pastor, Walter Henniger, and director of spiritual formation, Ann Henniger, to recount crazy tales of babysitting, landing a career in sports marketing, and tackling the formidable challenge of being a career-driven mom. Liz has interesting insight in what it takes to pursue two seemingly contrary paths. Whether you're a mom or not, this episode is well worth the listen. So with that, let's turn it over to Ann and Walter. Hello, I'm Ann Henniger, and I'm here today joined with my husband, Walter. Hey. And our dear friend, Liz Griffith. Hello. Walter and I met you, Liz, probably, what, 15, 16 years ago when you were a college student at Georgia. You were friends with a mutual friend of ours, and we quickly scooped you up to babysit our two little girls. Yeah, so was it, I think I had just finished, um, I had finished school early, so my dad had passed away in college, and I moved back to Atlanta, and through the Gilberts, um, met you guys. Um, I think I just showed up one night at dinner because I was sad. I was I just came over to their house, and you were there, and you guys were so kind, and your girls were so cool. So of course I said yes to babysitting, and it wasn't just like a couple times a month. It was like every mm-hmm. Tuesday, I think, while you guys were teaching a class at Christchurch, and. I loved it. it. It was fun. Your girls were, I think, in third and first grade. And so um, we had all sorts of adventures throughout the year. I remember they even were, uh, they played a, a key role in, in vetting your future husband and That's now right. Westside Elder Carter by uh, going to, wasn't it Everybody's Pizza? Yeah, what Everybody's did they Pizza. Do? Rest in peace. So they, um, they decided, they agreed to let him join us for dinner one night. It had to ask. So he joined us for dinner, and they said, okay, we'll decide whether or not you're good enough for our babysitter. And so they made a disgusting concoction of red pepper flakes, mayonnaise, olive oil, salt, pepper, cigarette ash. I mean, I don't even, whatever they could find on the table, they mixed it together into this slurry um, and said, taste it and prove it. And so he did. And that's why we're married today. <laughs> you passed the test. And I remember it was during those years, uh, the first few years out of school, I remember you were doing a lot of different things professionally. And then Coca-Cola came along. And it's just been such a fascinating career trajectory you've been on. I wonder if you could talk about it. So like I mentioned, my dad, got he got really sick my sophomore year and died a year later. So it was really fast. And I had taken some time off. I was studying abroad. I think I was in England or Argentina. I was in Argentina, but everything got turned upside down and um, I ended up moving back. I graduated early and I had this degree in romance languages and a minor in English. I mean, God was good. I had a, a job right out of college in international trade for Georgia and I realized I wasn't doing well. I was depressed. And so I decided to take a break. And so that's when I started my tutoring business. So I was mm-hmm. teaching Italian and Spanish. One of my students, I was teaching Spanish and their mom worked at Coke. 
And she said, you know, I asked her for advice. I said, I'm ready to get back into a more like real <laughs> career. Um, what would you suggest? And she said, you know, I actually have a project that you'd be really good for. So why don't I bring you on? I was 23. And so I was there for 11 years, but it was really like, people would ask me like, how do you get a job in sports marketing? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> because I didn't do anything right. Don't major in what I majored in. Don't leave school early. Don't even sign up for babysitting or, you know, teaching kids Spanish. It just happened to be God pulling me into that. And so cool because it was a perfect match for my skill set. I mean, from the time I was little, I wanted to travel and speak different languages. It was my passion. And so working for a global company, and that ended up totally coming true. I traveled all around the world and mostly in sports marketing um, for the FIFA World Cup, so real soccer, uh, real football. Um that's how Carter and I met. We can cover that later. I remember you went to China for... Yeah, China for the Olympics. I was in South Africa for six weeks for the World Cup. London for the Olympic Games. When did children come into the picture? Well, first, Carter came into the picture. <laughs> um, didn't like him right away. We were friends for a year and then ended up dating and getting married pretty quickly. But I had, let's see, Griff. I think we'd been married two years. And we were. I was traveling in Thailand and uh, we can cut this out, but going to Asia really messes up your birth control because you're like, is it night? Is it day? Anyway, so that's how Griff came along. And I was not expecting to have kids just yet. Like we definitely wanted a family. I'd wanted a big family if that was what God had in store for us. But I mean, getting that positive pregnancy test was like, what? <laughs> um, that was surprising, but welcome. I mean, we were we were definitely excited. Um and then once we had Griff, we were like, let's let's get this party. Crank it out. <laughs> right. Um, and then amazingly, like even though Griff was a surprise, our second, Georgina, was actually really hard. We had a lot of trouble. Um, and I thought, okay, well, if it's just the one, like that's mm -hmm. what God has for us. But So how, how would um, people at Westside recognize your children? Who are your children? They're hard to notice. Um, <laughs> and... They blend right in. Yeah, I know this isn't really focused on godly parenting, but I will say they're the most well-behaved children in church. <clears throat> um, you cannot miss my children. They are four blonde, not always brushed hair, running around church, sometimes with shoes, sometimes without shoes. Sometimes without clothes. Sometimes without clothes. <laughs> we definitely got a note back with Margot that she was missing some crucial items, clothing. <laughs> um, and by the way, a couple. Like, it didn't just happen once. <laughs> yes, we have loved having our kids here at Westside because that's not rare. They might be the most recognizable in terms of behavior, but kids are always running around. There's lots of big families, and even folks without kids are just gracious and kind and fun. So it's just it's a great place to raise a motley crew. <laughs> 11 years at Coca-Cola. Exciting. So many dreams that you got to fulfill of working with people from around the world, traveling around the world. What was challenging about that work? I think, well, being a mom there was particularly hard um, because it wasn't it wasn't really normal to have four kids um, and kind of climb the ranks as a woman. I think either you had a lot of help or your husband stayed at home or you just were kind of confined to a certain level. That was challenging. I think I was outright told, your pregnancies are an obstacle for us in our work. 
Um, but it was, it was a, you know, corporate environment, fast paced. Um, I had some amazing bosses and coworkers. So it was, it was a really good time and I did have support, but I didn't talk about my family a lot and like travel was a lot. I mean, it was, yeah, six weeks at a time. And I remember going to London when Griff was f- six months old, having a butler come to my hotel room every day and take the breast milk down to the freezer. It was just like a lot of really weird, you know, sacrifices and changes and challenges. But before, when I was there, before I was married and had kids, I think Carter and I were dating, but a woman came, very successful female executive came to talk to a women's leadership forum. And the premise of her talk was like, ladies, you can have it all. You know, you can have it all, you deserve it all. And she was talking about being a working mom. And I would think I was momentarily jazzed and then it didn't sit right with me. And I had, again, I didn't have kids yet, but I was like, I wanna have kids. I wanna be continue my career, but can you have it all? Like if she'd said, you can have it all in Jesus, I would have been like, amen. But <laughs> this was like a different talk. It was like, you do you, you've earned it. Like no matter what it takes, just keep going. And I think I knew that wasn't, something was missing like about that talk. And then over the years, it's like, no, you have to balance. And there's a hundred percent of you. And everybody wants a big percentage of that. I mean, you guys feel like that in ministry. It's like, mm-hmm. everybody needs a percentage of you, your boss, you know, your husband, your kids, your coworkers, church, like everybody needs that. So what does that look like every day or every week or every month? And my male counterparts don't have to make that same. They've got 100% too. There's just maybe less percentages needed. And so it's just, you know, a, a different balancing act that we have to do. And it was it was hard at Coke, I think more because it was um, a more silent, you know, burden that I was carrying. I just didn't talk about it a lot, but. Wasn't there a story, too, when you came back? Maybe it was when you came back from London that Griff recognized yeah. you. Yeah, that was that was cool. Um, I remember that moment. It's like one of these, like, core mm-hmm. memories from from motherhood for me. But, um, you know, it was my first. I didn't know if he would – I mean, I was like, I don't know what happens in their brains at this point, but he probably won't remember me. It's been f- four weeks. That's like a good majority of his life. <laughs> and then when I – came um, out to the car and at the airport he just like he'd woken up from a nap and he looked and he just locked in and remembered me and he smiled so big and it was so cool it's like no God has it like he's your kids know who you are they'll remember you like it's really it's a really sweet moment you're not still at Coke you've transitioned to another corporate job. Can you explain why you made that move and where you are now? Yes. So I was on maternity leave with my fourth, which is Margot. And uh, Coke is, you know, it's like typical corporation shareholder held. And um, I had watched a lot of different, um, you know, reorganizations. They would call them different things like optimization or (laughs) it was just firing different people. (laughs) Um, And I had luckily never been impact. In fact, I had actually gotten promoted in the last one. And so right before I was on maternity leave, I had been put in charge of the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games. It was like a big deal to oversee that campaign. And I was on maternity leave with Margo and I thought, okay, at least two years of this, it was like 2018. It's just like, okay, two years to deliver the campaign and then on to another step in my career. And I just watched whole departments get wiped out. Like just not great. And I thought, okay, I'm, I'm okay 
but I don't like this. Mm-hmm. Like I don't like, especially as a working mom, it just, it's more sacrifice. And so if you do it for a company that is not going to feel the same way about you, which most companies don't, um, I just felt like that might not be the best long-term place um, to keep raising my kids and working. So I thought I would, you know, consider some different options. And so while I was on maternity leave, because you don't want to be working on a resume at your current workplace, um, I just, you know, fixed up my resume. And, you know, when you've got it ready, you're like, ooh, i got to send it out. So I applied to a bunch of different jobs. And one of them was this job at Chick-fil-A. And I uh, hadn't considered Chick-fil-A before, but they reached out pretty soon after. And um, and a, a woman I know um, who is an account manager with Chick-fil-A at Coke, she said, I met with a hiring manager, and I think it's really, like, spot on the right job for you. So mm-hmm. so I interviewed and um, even was really torn when I got the offer because I was like, man, this job I have now is, like, the pinnacle of what I could have wanted, you know, in global sports marketing. And then going to a smaller domestic company and the scope is a lot less. It was like college football and cows at events. And I was like, I don't know. Like, this isn't a great story. Um, and actually, I was listening to one of your sermons, Walter, on – shout out to Walter Sermons um, – on a walk with Margot. And it was basically the parable of the master that gives three of his servants the same amount of money. And he says, you know, take care of it. Well, you can quote it better. Matthew 25. 14 through 30. Yeah, slightly different amounts of money. Yeah, yeah different, yeah. yeah. Okay, thank you. So I, for whatever reason in, in that sermon, I, it was one of those like three burning bush moments I've had in my life where God stopped me on that walk and he said, what you have is mine. Like what I've given for you to invest, whether it's your talents, your time, your career, your womb, like everything that I have given you that you are using right now for my glory or should be, it's mine. It's like my money. It's my currency. So if I'm telling you to go invest it someplace, I got it. It's it's mine. And so that was the moment where he was like, I know it might not make sense from a career perspective, but I'm asking you to go invest what I've given you here. And I mean, again, it was like one of those moments where I was like, okay, got it. Like heard it. <laughs> And I think it's just been from a uh, the perspective, like a company that cares about you and your family and the benefits. And I mean, we talk about our families as join up conversations and meetings, like how was Griff soccer game? You know, so that kind of, you know, I even had a boss um, who gave a talk to our team right as we were kind of coming back to the office from COVID. And he said, life wins. That's our philosophy on like, you know, the hybrid life wins. So if your family needs you, if somebody's sick, like that's the priority. It hasn't been easy. Like the first couple of years, I was like, did I make the right choice? And uh, there was a moment during the pandemic when I woke up, it had been a particularly rough couple of months. And I just, you know, like pulled up my phone and read the news. And it was like, Tokyo 2020 has been canceled. (laughs) And I was like, again, like going back to humor in my life, um, I could just hear God cracking up. He's like, yeah, you thought it was the worst decision. <laughs> you would have gotten fired today. Um, knowing you, I, I'm sure you do still work very hard. And, and, and knowing a lot of people at Chick-fil-A, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a cush uh, assignment. But I, it sounds like part of what I'm hearing you say is that like your, your life is less bifurcated. Like yeah. You're yeah. able to be more of you at work as, and, and at home. Yeah, that's right. I was yeah. going to say, you're seen as a whole person. 
Yeah, and they exactly and you know job security and benefits and they want your family unit to be healthy and I think there's some unique challenges in my current role and it is you know predominantly white male led and you know Southern Baptist so there's some more subtle difficulties where maybe you know they want to talk about family they want to support but they might have a specific perspective whether it's like outright or subtle that women where and how they work. Um, so that's been surprisingly challenging, but the support for their staff has been great and just really good peer, you know, and leaders, just really, really supportive and encouraging. So you talking about the Lord just saying, ha you should have trusted me. That, that reminds me of how often you have humor with the Lord. Like you, that's part of your relationship. It's part of all of our relationship yeah. with him, but I love how you speak to that. Can you think of an example of him having humor with you. One that I remember is you were you were having either a really hard time or you were maybe just you were either sad or down um, or angry, and you were taking a bath and you had these candles lit around, and then your hair caught on fire. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. God, yeah. God's saying it can get worse. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the Bible's funny. <laughs> I, mean, I think like. I love I love when Walter reads a particularly obscure passage and he ends it by saying, believe it or not, this is the word of the Lord. It's <laughs> so true. It's like some stuff you can't make up. And I've been using the um, Bible plan for sugars and slackers, which I love, but I've been trying to get up really early, not like Chuck Johnston early, but before five <laughs> to read the Bible. And the plan, you got to go through every single verse. And so on mornings where I'm particularly disgruntled and tired and I'm like what second chronicles <laughs> like and without a doubt every time something comes through where he's like aren't you glad you got up you weak you know like tired but he'll he'll just make me laugh every day cuz something will come up in in scripture or in life or where he'll basically point out how wrong I was but in a very loving way and your husband Carter is uh, is a good match for you in that and of course your son Griff is a budding stand-up comic. I know that's a big interest of his. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Carter. So my dad, who passed away when I was 21, um, funniest person I knew, uh, very quiet, like introverted. It had to be like really cerebral cerebral and sharp. Um, and Carter's like the second smartest and funniest person I know. So his humor is different. It's, he's very extroverted and... Um, we used to joke like a lot of times at parties I would like deliver the joke to him on the side and then he would just say it louder and get all the laughs and I was like you can't do that you're swiping my content and he was like well you need to say it louder Um, but yeah so that and I think like you know tragedy the ups and downs I mean like parent working parenthood like you've got to laugh only recently we took some personality tests at Chick-fil-A for like leadership courses and it's like Myers-Briggs, Enneagram, and StrengthsFinder. Have y'all known StrengthsFinder? So hardcore Enneagram 7, but hardcore introvert. INFJ, and then my strengths, the top were like positivity, like strategy, activation. But my coach was telling me, hey, these this you know unique set of gifts and skills has a huge blind spot, which is that you're thinking like up and out and the funny side of things and the light side of things and you're ready to get stuff done and get everyone to like f- follow you to the quad. 
but people a lot of times are not there. And so it can come across mm -hmm. as tone deaf at best, but also just not, not what, what is needed. And I think in work and then also like as a parent, I think I'm learning a lot about that. Like sometimes your kid just wants you to sit with them and say like, that's hard. Mm -hmm. Or like that looks like it really hurts. Not like, well, that was a doozy, but here's like, you know, what we're having for dinner. It's like, just sit and yeah. in silence. And so that's something I've learned about humor and positivity at work and at home as well. It reminds me, Liz, one of the other ways that I, that you have served the the church over the years, and, and surprisingly, I think we asked you to do it when you had even less free time years ago, often was to lead us in congregational prayer. And I think you're, you, you didn't crack jokes in your prayers, uh, but there's a, a vulnerability, an honesty, a presentness uh, that, that always just helped me to pray along with you as you prayed. Me too. And, uh, just want to say thank you for that. I want to also ask about being a working mother in our church and how that has been. Yeah. Well, I would say on the record, I mean, all I have felt is encouragement and love. Not personally have never felt shamed or judged or for working, which is truly a blessing. And again, all of these other members are raising my kids with me. So that is a very unique blessing, and Carter and I appreciate that so much. But yes, like it within the microcosm of the PCA Church in the South, in particular, and working for predominantly white male-led corporations is really challenging and and complex and tiring. Um, and it's some of these subtle biases, and some are not so subtle, but they're every day and they're prevalent. And even like recently you know, a well-respected leader came and talked to our team and he was sharing a little bit about his family. And he said, you know, my, my adult son does this and my adult daughter has just left her job for a higher calling to be a stay-at-home mom. And he was saying that out of complete respect and love for his daughter and all moms. But I, I've been unpacking that over the past mm -hmm. few days and thinking like, what is that? Why does that not sit right? And what does that mean? And I think the the way that I've been able to not just reconcile, but answer the right question is it's like, what is God's calling for me? Like, what is the highest calling? Not because I'm a woman or not because someone's a man. It's like, what is his highest calling for you in life, but also in a season? And I think that is the better question, at least for me to ask than like whether or not, you know, a woman and the PCA church should work or, or anywhere, right? And that looks different in different seasons. And actually in our, our grace group last week, shout out for grace groups, um, we were talking about what it means to enjoy God and to live life for his glory. And my awesome grace group girls, they're young and they hadn't had a chance to see Chariots of Fire, <laughs> which I told them they had to watch ASAP. But, uh, you know, that moment where Eric Littles, who's famous Scottish athlete, who went into ministry in China, but he's telling his sister, who's gently rebuking him for not going back into ministry sooner, he says, I've got some running to do first. I've got a lot of running to do first. Jenny. Jenny, you've got to understand. I believe that God made me for a purpose. 
for China. But he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. To give it up would be to hold him in contempt. You were right. It's not just fun. To win is to honor him. Winning is bringing him glory. And even though that's a very random example, but it's, it's such a, for me, it's like a perfect mm-hmm. picture of like God hardwired us with certain gifts, all to be used for his glory. And different seasons, some of those might be used more than others, but like that's your question to answer is like, what is God calling me to do today, this week, this season? Um, you know, and so I, I think about that a lot where I'm like, well, what does God want me to do? And right now it's to provide for my family, you know, financially and to care for them and love them and also to be a part of the same corporation and going after the same business results as, you know, my male peers. And so I was thinking about that. I'm like, well, there's other men in that same meeting. A lot of them have children. So we're not going for the lesser calling by not staying at home. We're just pursuing God's Mm -hmm. calling for us. And so... I think that's what I share with a lot of, you know, young working moms is like, it's not just an answer. Like, well, you either should work or you shouldn't. It's like, what is God calling you to to do now? I think God uses such specific language in the Bible when he talks about making us, right? Like, you know, knit you together in your mother's womb and he didn't make mistakes. Like he knows what he has to work with (laughs) and he knows what work he needs done and he doesn't have to use us, but he chooses to so that we can enjoy him and so that he can be glorified. And I think about your daughters and like how he was knitting them together in your womb, Anne, and he was making one very driven, strong, creative, entrepreneurial businesswoman, you know, in a very caring, empathetic, you know, creative and, um, you know, beautiful caretaker and someone that wants to, to work with people who are sick and he didn't mess up. He's not like, well, then we'll become moms and that'll go away. You know, so I, I just, I would encourage like us as a church too, to think about that. It's like, that's, that's the question. It's like, what is God calling you to do? And that number one, that's not easy to answer always. And so we need each other to help answer that and through prayer. And then also once you do answer it, it's not always easy to go do it because <laughs> God might be calling you to do something where you're the only person that looks like you or sounds like you in your calling. Um, and then you might be in a certain calling where your gifts aren't being used. You, know, you might have a two-year-old who doesn't care that you can code or implement <laughs> processes. Um, but that's not lost. You know, God still made you to do that. And so. Yeah. If the microphone were not on a stand, I would encourage you to drop it. Uh, I don't think there's anything else to say. Well, seriously, Liz, thank you. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Liz. A very special thanks to you for tuning in to today's episode of West Side Stories. And thanks to Liz Griffith for joining us today as well. This episode was produced and directed by me, Corey Fleeman. It was co-produced and hosted by Anne and Walter Henniger. Our editor was Tim Lane. Original music was composed and performed also by Tim Lane. If you enjoyed today's episode, we hope you'll share it with friends and family. A positive review on your streaming service of choice would also be appreciated. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.